Hey, creatures. Before we get this show started tonight, I just wanted to take a minute and say that we recorded this episode on Tuesday night of this past week, and a lot has changed in the world of wrestling since the time that we recorded this. So obviously, on Wednesday, we saw the firing, the furloughing, uh, the releases of so many incredibly talented superstars, uh, so many that we have talked about on this podcast that we are such big fans of, that we've talked about awesome moments that they've had with The Undertaker, guys like Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, who were just part of the Boneyard match that we raved about. Fit Finley, who we wished had had some more matches with The Undertaker. Uh, I think we've mentioned The Hurricane on here a few times. Rusev, who we're going to get to cover uh, when we get to the casket match that he had with The Undertaker, crazily enough, a couple years ago. And yes, even our most hated superstar of all time, IRS, Erwin R. Scheister. Yes, even him. Uh, you know, we're obviously terribly saddened and disappointed for these guys uh, to be losing their jobs, and especially, you know, just amidst this current climate, uh, everything that's happened that uh, has said to led to this is so unfortunate. So uh, we don't talk about that in the podcast because it was recorded before all that went down, but I just wanted to take a moment and recognize that. So if there's anything we say in here that's awkward or doesn't make sense because of these guys losing their jobs, that's the reason why. And I'm sure Travis and I will cover that more on next week's podcast. And I'm sure we will also discuss on next week's podcast the very sad passing of the greatest ring announcer of all time, the Fink, Howard Finkel. You know, I think a lot of us knew he was in poor health over the past few years, but still terribly, terribly disappointing news. His calls, you know, they're what else can you say? They're iconic. Uh, so many people have said he is the voice of their childhood, and he was a huge part of why so many of us uh, we're such big fans of professional wrestling. I mean, who among us did not imitate his voice when we're playing with our action figures or just pretend wrestling with our friends and announcing each other down to the ring? It's just one of those things. That's that's a part of wrestling is the ring announcing. It's just one of those it's hard to describe. It's just one of those weird puzzle pieces that if it wasn't there, it just wouldn't feel right. So him announcing, and of course, so many iconic announcements of The Undertaker, hailing from Death Valley, weighing in at, you know, 310 pounds, whatever, it's somewhere around there is usually what Undertaker was at. Him saying The Undertaker's name, and of course, anytime he would announce The Undertaker as the new world champion, or hardcore champion, or tag team champion, it just sends chills down your spine. So, we are very saddened for that loss, of course. We want to send our thoughts and prayers out to the Finks family and loved ones, and our thoughts out as well to all of the World Wrestling Federation, <laughs> excuse me, to all of the World Wrestling Entertainment, I was talking about WWF there, but all the WWE superstars and employees who lost their jobs this past week, we hope to see them back in the ring soon, whether it's for WWE or for somewhere else, and we hope to see the world getting back to normal uh, someday soon as well. But until then, we're going to continue to try to entertain you, and we hope you enjoy this week's podcast.
Creatures of the night, welcome to Talking Taker, episode 140 of our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all tism, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Dorio, I am one of your co-hosts, and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. And I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night. He is an essential worker, as far as this podcast goes, Mr. (laughs) Travis White. And Travis, you know, as far as the government goes, apparently professional wrestling is essential, so our, our podcast is essential work, so... I thought last week's was going to be the last one, but apparently Undertaker's going to come back this week, so we got to keep the podcast going. we got to keep it going, man. It's good to know that something that we love so much is definitely essential, so it's great. It's great to know that. And yeah, good to know. I'm also essential, apparently, as i got to go to work every day, so yeah. That's true, man. That is true, and you know, (laughs) we're thinking about you out there. I have a piece of paper in my car that says I'm essential, actually, in case I get pulled over, so yeah, that's weird. That's nice. That's a good feeling. I it's guess. a real thing. Sort of. I guess. <laughs> how, how come if we're so essential, we don't get paid like the people who are entertainers that apparently aren't essential because they're all shut down? <laughs> there <laughs> you go. They get paid billions and millions of dollars every year. So. Hey, hey. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> get out the vote, people. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, we do. We are doing this podcast. You know, we know everyone's out in a different situation. Travis is out there. He's still working. I'm stuck at home, uh, depressed and eating my feelings every day. Uh, we know everyone, uh, there's people out there all in between. Everybody's experiencing this whole new lifestyle, this quarantine, this coronavirus, and unique. Uh, everybody's experiencing it in a different way. So we understand the different feelings of it, and we're just trying to provide you a little bit of entertainment like we do as we continue to go match by match through The Undertaker's career. And boy, oh boy, Travis, I am excited to talk about this one there's some weeks, you know, I always enjoy talking to you. I always enjoy doing the podcast. But there's some weeks where it's like, oh, man, how are we going to get an hour <laughs> right. talking about this match? But, dude, Hell in a Cell, Undertaker versus Edge, the culmination of a year and a half almost of storytelling mm-hmm. here. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be a great ride, man. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Like you said, there are some weeks where it's just kind of like, okay, this is just kind of checking a box, you know, getting it done. But this one, I'm. We're gonna have to be careful not to go 60 hours on this. <laughs> it's gonna be. There's so much we could talk about. Plus, there's so much content to cover. He's gone for. Well, as we know, last week he got banished from WWE, so he's gonna be gone for a little bit. And then we got to cover about him coming back. So yeah, spoiler alert: he does come back. Yeah, you know, he's been real active on SmackDown and on the pay-per-views lately, so it just figures he's got to cash in a little PTO here in the summer mm-hmm. of 2008, so he's going to be gone for two months after losing that another incredible match, the TLC to Edge, crashing through those tables from off the top of a ladder, and maybe the craziest bump we've seen him take in 18 years, and it you know, he's going to say goodbye to the WWE and Edge and Vicky Guerrero are going to get to begin a reign of terror over the next two months over SmackDown as they really 
prepare their wedding ceremony and really kick La Familia into full gear here as we take it take this time traveling hearse back to June of 2008 and we're going to try to condense and cover a lot of ground until we really kick into gear the Edge and Undertaker's feud, but there's a lot of memorable, important, little tiny pieces to this puzzle that, uh, Travis, you're going to try and uh, cover for us here. Yeah, I spent a whole night of research. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't call it wasted, but a whole night on all the stuff that doesn't even have Taker involved. And got a lot of notes, but I'll condense them down because uh, because it's talking Taker. So, But like I said, there are some cool stuff. So the night after – or not the night, the week after that TLC match, uh, SmackDown June 6th, it opens. Of course, La Familia is out there. They're gloating. They got champagne and a covered catering table and just booze, just – eating up Mickey Grow. I have no idea how she talks over this stuff. I mean, it's hilarious to watch, though. It's it's so, I'm like, I, again, we, I didn't see this stuff, so I recall her stuff on Raw years later when she's just getting eaten up and drowning this stuff, but it was happening back in 08. I had no idea, I don't think, because I wasn't really watching it, so. Did you remember it being this back this far? Well, it's just fun, because I think, you know, like, one crowd sees it on TV, and then the next week, the next crowd kind of wants to imitate it, you know, yes. and so it just keeps rolling and rolling and building and building week after week after week. And they probably don't even know why they're booing, just that they're supposed to be right. booing. Uh, but it, it, you know, it's it's incredible. Oh, yeah, it is. It's pretty funny. But anyway, they just they're kind of gloating here about what happened. You know that, you know, Edge banished Undertaker from WWE and he's the new world heavyweight champion, which I guess he's been champion what, like six times at this point now. I can't I can't keep up. It's crazy. He's racking them up. Yeah, he was. He's won his first one in 06 and now he's had like four or five or six championships at this point so it's crazy but um he comes in and starts again kissing vicky guerrero which do you think is weird that chavo is watching edge make out with his aunt <laughs> it's probably a little weird you know yeah you know it's, it's weird i guess you know chavo and eddie it, 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 eddie was his uncle and vicky was his aunt but they're like basically the they're same like age. brother yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's weird yeah, yeah. enough i guess exactly yeah, well, they're in L.A. that night, and Edge makes sure to let us all know that because he's like, To my special lady. I heard the kid from Jerry Maguire is here in the audience tonight, but with all due respect to him, you, you can remember that line because i'm going to talk about something later on we are going to talk about something you actually mentioned it in your notes and i picked it up on uh something edge was talking about on a recent podcast that but he says that line right there and it actually is going to come full circle to something later on so i hope we remember to to, to mention that but you complete me is a line that, that he says there which is kind of funny but anyway long story short here he tells taker to to rest in peace and um kind of toast to the undertaker and then the lights go out and the gong hits and the fans cheer and it's kind of silent for a few minutes or in a few seconds the lights come back on edge is like gotcha so you know just perfect heel stuff and um just really soaking in the fact that he was able to banish the undertaker and then vicky announces that in five weeks that they're gonna be getting married right here on smackdown and uh hold on to that note as well because oh yeah <laughs> that may may change well then, Batista comes out. They're gonna they're gonna jump on their new uh, feud here uh, because basically that's what we're leading up to is Batista and Edge. And I'm not gonna cover all the the um, little nuts and bolts here, but uh, that's his new uh, 
his new uh, opponent heading into the next pay-per-views, and Batista's going to have a wild match later on this night. It's him and Nunzio Funaki and Colin Delaney against La Familia. Dream which, team. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like the... That's like the Looney Tunes and the one monster on the one team. <laughs> one side of the ring. <laughs> it's just La Familia. I didn't even know Nunzio was still around. Uh, me neither. <laughs> me neither. Um, what would you call yeah. that faction right there? Uh, future Endeavors. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Funaki still works there. Actually. All the famers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That's awful. How about uh, D-Evolution? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And it just gets smaller and smaller exactly. as it goes down. That's great. That's a great shirt. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Who would be the very end? Would it be? Oh, Delaney. It's got to be Delaney. Delaney, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that'd be great. <laughs> what a great idea for a shirt. Well, then the next week, um, you know, they're, they're going to have a contract signing and um, – they they mention all right, I guess CM Punk interrupts and says, you know, he kinda talks to Edge and says, you know, I may even use this money in the bank to cash in at your wedding. So again, remember that too, because that's gonna come into play here. And uh then we, we get the very first I guess if you're a fan of romantic comedies, you know the first time that the lovers meet. It's called the Meet Cute. So we get the very first meet cute here of Edge as he meets Vicky's uh, wedding planner. Alicia Fox <laughs> He didn't say it like that. No, oh, no, okay. no, good heavens, no, no. That's with Noam Dar, 2016 or 17, whatever. So, yeah, but um, yeah. So we're gonna get Alicia Fox introduced here. So that's I'm kind of glad I watched some of this stuff. But she's gonna come into play later on. So uh, the next week, uh, shenanigans occur. Batista versus Chavo's the main event. Um, oh, there's some shenanigans too with the referee Charles Robinson. He's kind of on their bad side, La Familia. So. She's, you know, Vicky's like, you know, you tried to help take her to defeat Edge at WrestleMania. You illegally rewarded him the title. Um, that was that backlash, I guess. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you ejected Chavo tonight for no reason. So she books a little nature in a match with uh, Kali that night. So Ooh. God, God bless him. <laughs> yeah. But that's going to come into play at the pay per view here. Um, so now, th- a couple days later than this, this is the Raw draft, the WWE Raw 2008 yes. draft. So it was on a Monday night. Uh, supplemental draft on Wednesday, but pretty significant draft here as it was literally, I mentioned last week, it's literally like as a shoot, they had no idea. And this is when Vince uh, drafts JR to, to SmackDown and and, Cole to Mike, and Michael Cole to Raw. And JR is pretty miffed in real life about this, like literally almost quit. But he does show up the next day for work and he's going to be our voice of SmackDown going forward here. So, yeah. Do you remember change. this night? Um, I don't know. I don't quite remember watching it. I definitely remember I reading about it um, and the whole Jim Ross, Michael Cole thing. That was a big yeah. controversy. And uh, Triple H going to SmackDown was pretty crazy, yes. you know, because that yes. was always the rumor. He he didn't want to work on Tuesday's <laughs> show. You know? Yeah. Um, but he does. Yeah. He, he hangs around on SmackDown for a little while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Jim Ross coming over, that's going to change. You know, we always talk about the announce crew. They're a big part of mm-hmm. our podcast, and we kind of analyze them. So uh, it's going to be, uh, I think, a welcome change of pace to have Jim Ross on the call, especially for some of these big epic matches that Undertaker's going to be doing here in the next few weeks. Yeah, and this is also the end of the night where the, the part of the like set fell on Vincent Mann. 
uh, at the million dollar giveaway. So for the second year in a row in June, he's trying to write himself out of the character, out of the storyline that's being dead, I guess. So he just won't give up on that. But also I want to mention here that this is, uh, so you and I went to Florida sometime in June. I can't remember when this is when I met my, I met my wife. You and I both met her. Um, you know, she became uh, friendly with us and then, here she is uh, with me 12 years later. We're, we're married and stuff. So, But this is where we, my wife and I got introduced. So I was slowly getting back into wrestling, you know, watching it every Monday for sure. And um, But then uh, something else is going to come up in a, in a little bit too about I was actually down there at camp again with her. And you called, gave me a phone call telling me something special had happened on, on, on wrestling. So, so are we anyway. crediting The Undertaker with you meeting your wife? Is that what? Uh, without question. Oh. Yeah, that's what we're doing here. <laughs> Maybe not quite. <laughs> No, maybe not quite. In fact, I don't think I really told her too much about me liking wrestling that much That's because I call. wasn't really into it. Head- <laughs> yeah, now she can't get away from it. She hates it, but she doesn't care if I watch it. But yeah, it probably would have been a probably wouldn't have gone over too well back then. So I had to get her to say I do first. That's so. it. Which wasn't long after this when we met. <laughs> she said I do about four months later. <laughs> so six months later. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the next week, um, you know. JRs get introduced to SmackDown. Triple H comes out. Um, you know he's he's on SmackDown now, and he basically um, Edge and him are both champs basically. So Raw has no title, which is the opposite of what happened back in '05. So um, we see Vicky and Alicia Fox going over some wedding plans in the back. Edge is barging in, uh, talking about you know I got rid of the Undertaker and uh, we're gonna get married in two weeks, and then. I just want to note this too that Edge defeats Matt Hardy again, like he always does. He after O five when he literally stole his girlfriend, he is undefeated. I think against Matt Hardy's poor Matt. <laughs> I know <laughs> that should have been broken, Matt. But that's <laughs> inspired. That's where it began. <laughs> yeah. all back here. Uh, yeah, but then like that 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 Sunday is not a champions and Edge defeats Batista. There's a lot of shenanigans involving La Familia and Chavo winds up being a special guest ref. So. Edge is still winning as a heel, relying on La Familia. Again, the stuff with Charles Robinson, he's taken out of the match. Chavo's put in. So that's kind of why I wanted to mention all that earlier because we're going to see La Familia is really helping Edge hold on to the title, and that's all going to soon come crumbling down. So um, the next night is the Raw. I was talking about this is a Raw January or June 30th, uh, and this is I didn't see this, but you called me this night. I was down at camp. Uh, I had gone back down after you and I had met uh, my wife, took some kids to camp. I went back down for, what, three and a half, four weeks or something like that to help mm-hmm. work again. Right. And um, you, I had a voicemail from you, I think, and I called you back this night because I had terrible service down there. <laughs> this was before smartphones and everything. Yeah, this is 2008, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, iPhones had just come out the year before, like so they weren't big. So I had called you on my flip phone, I think it was, and uh, had a voicemail from you. And you told me that this was the night that our boy, CM Punk, defeated edge for the title you know uh, batista kind of laid edge out on raw edge came to say goodbye to raw and you know tell them they they have no champion yada yada and then batista lays him out and then punk cashes in and wins with the go to sleep um but he almost doesn't win because it takes forever for the referee to like cash in. And you can see punk <laughs> literally getting frustrated like come on come on come on come on but yeah so edge loses the world heavyweight title this night which is um you know gonna that's that's what he's been chasing after since last may you know so it's been a big part of the taker rivalry has been him holding that world world heavyweight championship and now he loses it to you know up and comer cm punk so but it was a big deal i know you i was like floored that night when you told me that punk won the title i was just so excited so 
Do you remember yeah, calling me that I, night? Tell me that. You know, when you bring it up, it kind of rings a bell. I would not have remembered that. Um, I. You guys must have watched it. I mean, I guess y'all must have. You, know, you and Josh and Caleb or something. Chuck. I, I remember actually being uh, a babysitting. Um, not baby. I was right like, house sitting yeah. for my pastor. He had a couple of like preteens and they were out of town. Uh, and so I was, you know, spending the night at their house with those kids. And, you know, I did youth ministry, so I knew his kids, whatever. That's uh, right. Yeah. And I actually, I think I was just flipping channels. I think I saw Punk as the champion. Okay. I don't think I saw the, the initial, I think I saw it like on a replay, like later yeah. in the night. But I remember, I think, cause I think he fights JBL uh, yeah, later in the night. Yeah. And yep. I was like, Oh, okay. He got the world title or whatever. And then I figured out what happened and I must've called you after that. Um, yeah. but you know, we've talked on here before, like CM Punk was our guy mm-hmm. uh, there, especially in, in 2006 before, before all the Benoit stuff went down. And you know, when we were watching yeah. ECW, uh, pretty religiously, you know, we loved CM Punk and this was, it was a huge deal. It was a guy. Yeah. You know, you know, kind of similar to Benoit. You, 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 the internet crowd loved him, but you never quite thought he would hold the mm-hmm. world title. And this, we've kind of talked on here before, like a lot of times the first time someone holds the world title, it doesn't always go that well. And it's the second or third time that really establishes mm-hmm. them as a top guy, which Perfect. is what we'll really talk about. Because that second or third time is when he's going to be facing Undertaker for it in 2009. So that's what's really going to push right. him you know, to the megastar that he would become. Not so much this one, but mm-hmm. uh, this one just kind of helps him, uh, I don't know, get his legs under him a little bit. Exactly. No, that's perfect. Perfect analysis there. So, um, yeah, I just remember really digging this night. It was just very exciting. Like I said, I, wasn't, I couldn't watch. I had no access to TV down there in Florida. But I remember you you kept me uh, abreast of the <laughs> wrestling world and what was going on. Because so, I couldn't even get online. No, I couldn't yeah. get online to see anything. So I had to, you had to give me the scoop. So, well, the next week on SmackDown, July 4th, in fact, our country's uh, birthday, they, uh, MVP opens up the show with Triple H. And they uh, make fun of Edge, basically, for losing the world title to Punk. And MVP... Brings back an old favorite of ours, and he says that... Well, I think it's uh, safe to say that Edge got punked out. I, I, I think you could say that CM really pulled his Edge's punk card. <laughs> it's pretty good. They're just going back and forth making puns, and that's that's MVP, so I love it. even better because it's it. CM Punk. Exactly, punk. exactly. Punk. Sorry, it's yeah. great, man. That should have been his yeah, catchphrase, They're making puns. Man. Oh yeah, I'll pull your punk card. I'll see. I'll see him your punk card. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know what that means, but I love it. So it was great. But um, they get into it. Basically, Edge is going to start feuding with Triple H here. Um, it, it, Triple H is really funny here. Honestly, I love when he's sarcastic. Triple H who doesn't give a crap. Like, cause he's talking about, you know, Vicky, you and Edge, you guys are going to get married. I, I, you know, I might suggest a little a little drive through place in Vegas. You know, he's like, you don't even have to be uh, sober when you go through. It's just, it's kind of funny when he kind of breaks that fourth wall and kind of winks and nods at the, at the fans. And it's Not kind of uh, subtly building to yeah the the actual Edge and Vicky wedding, which actually is, is yeah. yeah, yeah. So she says, you know, Triple H is going to defend the WWE title against Edge at the Great American Bash. Which again, these pay per views are just boom, 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 one after another. Man, they're coming. So yeah, too th- many. Yeah, Vicky and Alicia are continuing to plan the wedding backstage, and they don't know where Edge is. And um, 
they this so kind of the edge heads are kind of getting a bad rap here because edge is mad at them for not helping them on monday and they're gonna get punished by facing jesse and festus so (laughs) they're punished or we're punished i think we're all punished so (laughs) um and the edge heads actually lose to jesse and festus who might i say festus is dressed up as and introduced as uncle sam so amazing (laughs) yep god bless america so i (laughs) i thought that Luke Gallows with a pumpkin on his head like four years ago was the worst thing I've ever seen. But nope, this is it. <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever seen Luke Gallows do was dress up as Uncle Sam. So uh, anyway, Edge comes out and just spears Uncle Sam, beats the crap out of him with his belt, and goes nuts on him and gives him some good old 4th of July CTE fireworks across his head with a chair shot, man. And just But Edge is looking really crazed here. Uh, JR and Mick Foley, who's our commentary team, which I never thought I'd say that, but they're really putting over how since Monday he's lost it. He lost his baby. He lost his title. He's fought so hard to get it, and he's starting to lose it. And that's going to get to be the the story of the rest of this Taker feud. Even though it's going to be one-sided because Taker's not around, that's Edge's story. So um, he's going to be going nuts here. So um, anyway, more stuff going on with the wedding planning backstage and – Vicky is telling Edge to calm down backstage, and he's like, you know, he says he feels naked without his title, and he says that a match at Great American Bash, uh, or excuse me, she says he has a match at Great American Bash, and kind of what he did Monday was kind of stupid. Like, she didn't give him permission to be there on Monday. And uh, he, he, when he hears that she didn't give him permission, he just loses it. He goes all Americans like you can't give me permission. <laughs> yeah, he's a he becomes a red blooded uh, middle class uh, middle America uh, man man does the work woman stays at home type guy. He's like I don't need permission from you, you know. And uh, he's going nuts. You don't know what I've been through the last sixteen years. And stands up and yells at him that you know. And she says I'm still your boss and, and you're a fool by the way. And this whole time Alicia Fox is in the background looking kind of awkward and. Later on, she the Edgeheads tell her tell him that Vicky wants to see him, and he comes in. and He's like, "You summoned me to your office. You wouldn't even have this job if, if it weren't for me. You were just Teddy Long's lackey until I came here. Mm. Uh, I'm the, in fact, I'm the real general manager of SmackDown." And so she yells back that she would be in a wheelchair forever, and starts speaking in Spanish. And he, and as soon as she starts Spanish, dude, he just goes. And I was just like, oh my goodness, like they could not get away with that nowadays. But although I think Jerry Lawler just said ramen noodle moonsault last night (laughs) night on Raw about Akira Tozawa. Yeah. So I guess you can get away with it. So whatever. Good luck in your future endeavors, gang. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But anyway, but yeah, he just calls it, shut up. You speak to me in English. So she screams at him to get out. Um, He comes back, the door's locked. He kicks the door and storms off. So, again, really seeing him, his love for Vicky has even gone by the wayside because of his loss of his, his baby, his championship. So, And then a really cool scene here at the end. He comes out without any music to the middle of the ring. JR's putting over how bad of a week it's been. Uh, he's complaining. Edge is complaining about you know the cowardly attacks. And he says he's going to defeat Triple H and win the WWE title for a third time. So I guess he's had maybe three world titles and three WWE at this point. So 
Anyway, he says he can't even get support from his friends, his family, the love of his life, and he's going to reveal some dirty secrets from Vicky. <clears throat> she comes out, actually walks out. So, again, we've kind of seen her in a wheelchair, out of a wheelchair, kind of as she pleases, but here she walks out. <laughs> There's no rhyme she, or reason to yeah. it. No, no, not at all. So she's there's they need a continuity director or something. I don't know. <laughs> they need something to, to fix this. But anyway, she screams at him and he's kinda of running his fingers through his hair and just get, you can see him like physically like his character is sinking into insanity basically. He's he's kinda of ripping his hair out and he walks up the ramp toward her and screams, The wedding is off and she just screams and her Vicky Guerrero shrill and throws her wedding ring. So Love has really come to an abrupt halt here yeah, on SmackDown. It really has, man. <laughs> oh, we're getting sad. all the, the the different stages of the story here, but man, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing it as we go along here. But yeah, Edge's performance is yes, so yes, 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 excellent. You know, we've talked about Paul Bearer and Paul Heyman deserving Emmys and awards throughout all this. Edge could as well. Like he does stuff mm-hmm. you've never seen in a wrestling show before it's mm-hmm. excellent it's so good and there's so much more of that to talk about yeah, too there's like, to it's so much more to come it's so good and i can't wait till we get to those parts because I, I want to specifically pick out some things he i heard him say with his old mouth hole this past week on a podcast about this particular storyline so it's cool stuff but uh next smackdown is, is july uh 11th and this is a, if i'm doing vicky's math right this is supposed to be the week of their wedding this is five weeks later so uh, but Edge comes out looking like he's just, to me, just sinking into oblivion. He just, he's lost it. Um, he says the wedding's still off, and because the minute she tried to give him orders, it was over. He's been happier since then. She's not good for him. He's going to prove at the Great American Bash that uh, he doesn't need her in his corner. Uh, he's won more. Cha- he says he's. I've won more championships than anyone currently in the industry, which at this time. Is a fact. I wow. went back and checked. I think maybe Booker T. You could make a, um, you could make an argument for, depending on if you count some of his small titles and like the in Houston and stuff. But at this time, he actually was. Yeah. And I think he may still hold that. Um, I don't know because he's had Between so tags, many tags. And and intercom- yeah, I think uh, actually I think uh, in WWE I think our truth just passed him because of the twenty four seven championship. But let's not count that. But in WWE. Right. In WWE, Edge, I believe to this day, still holds the most titles ever of all time, which is crazy because he hadn't wrestled nine years. Right. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. So, yeah. But um, anyway, Vicky comes out and says he's got a tune-up match with Big Show. Um, later on, Edge is discussing with Bam and Chavo what's going on. And Chavo's like, you know, we're like brothers. We're always going to be family. I'll go talk to Vicky. They barge into Vicky's office. Chavo's like, I can't believe what Edge did to you. Uh, he's basically playing both sides here, you know, calling Edge a liar, and she gives him a hug, and or he gives her a hug. It's like, you know, we're always going to be family, and she's like, cut the crap, Chavo. You got a match against Triple H. So Vicky's kind of like slowly turning de facto babyface here, um, you know. And later on, La Familia's arguing, and Edge tells his brothers to all go to the ring with him tonight and stand up against Vicky. So, and she comes in and, and interrupts and says, you know, if you guys, any of you, help Edge tonight, you're fired. And if Edge, if you don't wrestle against Big Show, you're fired. So at that match, the main event, um, Vicky's in her wheelchair ringside watching the whole thing. It's a no-DQ match, of course, to kind of stack the deck against Edge. Big Show's about to concerto Edge, and Vicky stands up out of her wheelchair and is like, no, 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 stop the match, stop the match, it's gone too far. So 
Big Show leaves. Vicky winds up hugging Edge. He kind of comes to. You can kind of see him rolling his eyes around. He kind of he sits up, and she's holding him and apologizing, and they kiss, and say that the wedding is now back on. So we've seen this love crumble and then all come back to fruition here on this one night. So um, I tell you what, man, it's it's drama. It's, we talked about the first episode of this podcast. This is male soap opera, and this is this is particularly soap opera-ish. But like, I love it. I love the way it's playing out over weeks, over the same nights of SmackDown. It's just good storytelling. A telenovela, if you will. Exactly, especially with the Spanish. <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> well, man, I, I said you're an essential worker at the start of this podcast, and you just proved it, man. You, well, you covered all yeah. the stuff that I, that Dude, I didn't I had, watch. <laughs> I had to get that one out of my life back there. I had, to, I had so much information. But, again, I wanted to set the stage for where Edge's mind space is at, his, his character's mind is at. Uh, yeah, because he's going to sink further and further into oblivion here. All right. But yeah, you please take the stage. No, I need a break. Take a break. <laughs> Drink that Dr. Pepper. Yeah, DP. And uh, I will cover the wedding of Vicky Guerrero and Edge here. This has been building up, you know, for, uh, man, about seven months since about December, uh, November, December of 2007. The Edge and Vicky yeah. Guerrero relationship has dominated and has been this huge overarching storyline that's affected uh, all of SmackDown here. And it's interesting because I didn't remember this, but their wedding actually takes place before the show. So yeah. the show opens. Uh, I've never seen a wrestling wedding quite like mm -hmm. this with them. They show clips of their wedding from earlier in the day. And this whole episode of SmackDown, uh, it's a really great episode of SmackDown altogether. Yes. Uh, I would encourage you, if you've never seen it, to just go watch the whole episode. It's really fun because everything plays into this because they're having their wedding reception up on the SmackDown stage all night yeah. long. So Edge, Vicky, Chavo, Hawkins, Ryder, Bam Neely, they're all up there. Um, and everything plays into all the matches tonight. Uh, Chavo gives a best man speech for Edge there and uh, pr presents him with a WWE magazine with Edge defeating Triple H on it. You know, Edge says it's the happiest day of his life. Uh, Finley and Hornswoggle come out and... Edge has the Edgeheads wrestle Finley and Hornswoggle. They're in their tuxedos as they wrestle yes. them. And then Edge is a special guest referee also in his tuxedo. So that's mm -hmm. really fun. Uh, Edge and Vicky have their first dance. And then Big Show cuts in in the middle of it and starts dancing with Vicky and uh, gets a nice laugh out of the crowd. Uh, and uh, Edge and Vicky make Big Show face uh, nuts. Colin Delaney, Funaki, and Nunzio, unfortunately, but uh, Shelton Benjamin, Kozlov, and Great Kali. Not quite, not quite the same level, you know. Mm. Uh, Vicky does her bouquet toss later in the night and then ends up wrestling against uh, Cherry. Uh, she makes Natalia beat up Cherry first and make her tap out to the sharpshooter, and then Vicky walks over and has a match with her, quote-unquote, as well, and gets to pin her. Uh, Natalia by name? Naughty by nature, JR's quote there. <laughs> I didn't know he knew who Naughty by Nature was. Yeah, they can't all be winners, JR. <laughs> uh, Edge receives a wedding present from Slim Jim, who uh, present him with a commercial yes, starring Edge, which is, it looks like it was shot on a VHS camera. It's atrocious, man. It's so bad. Personalized plates. It is so bad. I didn't know it was a real thing. It was awful. I, 
I don't know what this was supposed to be. It's not up to the Macho Man level. No. I'll tell you that much. We got a present, too. Did you see that debut that night, too? Your best friend. <laughs> Ezekiel yeah. Jackson, your favorite wrestler. The guy I almost got eaten by in New York if I didn't if open my mouth. Yeah, man, Big Zeke debuts this night with D. Brian Kendrick comes back to SmackDown. So. Yeah, folks, uh, go listen to our WrestleMania uh, 24 <clears throat> episode where we mm-hmm. tell our tales of New York or, or check out our YouTube vlog of being in New York and you can hear Travis almost insulting Ezekiel Jackson to his face. <laughs> uh, and then the main event of the night is Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy and then they, they're forced to face each other by La Familia and then they shove Chavo's face in the wedding cake on their way out to the ring. And then Edge beats them up with spears at the end of the night. Uh, so that all sets the stage here uh, for, I don't know what they're going for here in this main event. Edge and Vicky are just in the ring with La Familia and they're going to show a wedding video, I guess. And then yeah. do their uh, walkout of the ceremony, uh, apparently. And then, of course, it all goes downhill because the WWE champion Triple H comes out to present his wedding gift. So, like you kind of alluded to, this is a really well-done throwback to 1999 when Triple H also interrupted the wedding celebration of Tess and Stephanie McMahon and ruined their wedding. I can tell by the look on your faces that you're not exactly happy to see me out here. That's, it's understandable. I'll be the first to admit I have a bit of a reputation for these weddings and all. But I can promise you this. I am not out here to tell you that I am secretly married to Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> I love that. I love fun. all these little things here. So he's, this is a great Triple H. Yeah, I really enjoy. I don't typically enjoy him as a babyface, but he's he's great here during this. Yeah. Um, so he's got a video of his own to show us, and this is a hidden camera of Edge in his hotel room yesterday. So we see him sitting by himself, and uh, we hear the uh, knock on the hotel room door. Edge is like prepping himself, getting himself ready. He goes and answers the door. And it's Alicia Fox. Alicia Fox. Coming into his hotel room. Uh, as you mentioned, she is the wedding planner for Edge and Vicky Guerrero. This is how she made her debut in WWE. So she's coming there to go over some final details of this wedding. But Edge has some other plans. And he starts kind of seducing her. Starts uh, trying to compliment her hair and her her perfume and all this other stuff. And, uh, Edge at one point talks about Vicky's terrible granny panties and mm-hmm. Triple H pauses the video and uh, brings out a wedding gift. And it's a, the largest pair of underwear you've ever seen in your entire life. Mm, <laughs> Says yes. It's uh, for Vicky. Edge acts like he has a crick in his shoulder and tries to get Alicia to massage it. And uh, Triple H pauses the video with, uh, Alicia, you know, all up in Edge's uh, shoulders and his neck and all that sort of stuff. And Edge is, you know, he says it's legitimate. He's had neck surgery before, you know. He, True. He, and, you know, Vicky's like, yeah, no, I understand, I understand. But she's starting to get angrier and angrier. Uh, and then Edge tries to send Hawkins and Ryder out to go attack Triple H. And he presents another wedding gift, his sledgehammer, uh, and sort of backs them away. 
And then finally, we get to the good stuff. Triple H keeps saying, all right, we, don't get, we want to get to the good stuff. Get to the good stuff. And we see in the video Edge making his move on Alicia Fox. And, you know, he goes to kiss her. Mm, and mm, mm. She's reluctant at first, but then she just goes in with it and starts mm-hmm. making out with Edge. And it's a full-on make-out session. We cut to the back to the arena. Triple H is cracking up at this. He's ruined yet another wrestling wedding here. Vicky is just losing her mind, as you can imagine, screaming at Edge. Starts, like, attacking him. Chavo is screaming at Edge, mouthing off at him. Vicky Guerrero is enraged. She's just screaming at the top of her lungs. Edge looks like a kid who got his hand caught in the cookie jar. He's just super embarrassed. And he runs away from the ring, and the show goes off the air with him just skulking to the back, Vicky screaming at the top of her lungs. And all in all, this is just, it's perfectly done, man. It is yeah. perfectly done storytelling. It was unexpected, you know. You right. didn't think that's how they were going to go down with it, but it's really, really well done and well told. And um, it sets up a lot of intrigue for, okay, where are they going to go with all this stuff from here on out? Well, and it's a neat twist, too, because usually, like you said, usually the weddings happen in the ring and someone interrupts it. And wrestling weddings never happen the right way. But this one, they already got married. Right. So they're husband and wife at this point. So it's a very unique take on the, the, the wrestling wedding. So I really enjoyed it. Well, then that Sunday, July 20th, is the Great American Bash. So again, tri- Edge has to battle Triple H on, in two nights. You know, so that's the story here. So he challenges Triple H, and, the, and it's the main event of this, of this show. So... Um, Alicia Fox tries to help Edge win, but Vicky comes out and attacks her. Shenanigans happen. Edge winds up accidentally spearing Vicky. Um, mm. It's going to play into kind of where we're headed here. So, And then more shenanigans occur, and Triple H gets a win after a pedigree because <laughs> he always wins after That's a pedigree. That's what happens. That's what happens, especially if you're RVD. <laughs> but, yeah, Edge goes down to a pedigree here. So, again, he's lost his title to CM Punk. After banishing The Undertaker, he's lost uh, – here against uh, Triple H as well. So he's kind of on a, a good run of bad luck, I guess you could say. So, You want to do the next SmackDown? No, oh, you got it, man. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so after the Great American Bash, or the Bash, uh, I think it was still Great American it's Bash. It's Great American, very tiny. Bash yes. is huge. But yes, Great American <laughs> Bash, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, Edge is in his locker room. He he wants to talk to Vicky tonight. That's the whole storyline yeah. of the night. He's going to wait backstage, wait for Vicky to arrive. He wants to talk to her. He bumps into Bam Neely and tells Bam he wants to apologize to Vicky in public in the middle of the ring. And Bam passes the message along to Vicky and Chavo when they arrive. So that's the main event segment of the night. Uh, very, very somber Edge. He calls out Victoria, his baby Vicky, out to the ring. Chavo wheels her out, and she gets into the ring. Uh, Chavo leaves her there, so it's just Edge and Vicky. And Edge apologizes, says, you know, I, I was going to tell you what happened with Alicia Fox later, but, I, you know, I didn't want to ruin our wedding day and all that sort of stuff. And he actually tries to uh, hashtag me too the situation, saying <laughs> yeah, Alicia does. forced herself on him. Right. He told her no means no, but she just wouldn't <laughs> stop, which is... 
Not quite He's ahead of the curve. Shit. He was. <laughs> WWE always ahead of the curve. Always. <laughs> <laughs> and then Vicky says, look, of course I forgive you, Edge. And Edge goes to kiss her, but she turns her head to him, just gives him the cheek. Mm. And then Vicky says, I forgive you, but you need to know that hell hath no fury over a woman scorned, which mm. don't think is quite the phrase, but no, no. we'll give it to her. <laughs> it's like a woman's going, but she said over, and it was it was it was a tape show. But for some reason, they didn't want to reshoot that. Nope. They want to get the didn't want to dub the, it over everything. Yeah, one reaction. So yeah, and she tells Edge, you know, I did something last week while I was very mad at you, and the crowd starts to get a little restless. Edge is kind of like thinking about it. He's a little nervous, but he's like, oh, oh okay, you know, it's, it's okay. I, I just tell me what it is, Vicky. And Vicky says, I decided to reinstate The Undertaker. And, dude, you would have thought yeah. The Undertaker showed up and was passing out McMahon's millions to the crowd. I know. Because <laughs> they, they lose their minds at this. It would, Undertaker's been gone for two months. They haven't been talking about him that much. Mm-hmm. But, dude, they love this because the yes. crowd gets it. The crowd gets there's what's not, about to And there's happen. not a butt in a seat at this point. They are on their feet. I mean, you rarely see a standing ovation at this point, and, and you know they are on their feet. I just, I loved seeing that man. It was so cool. Just to take his name, and then they yeah. start chanting Undertaker. Yeah. And Edge and Vicky, again, both of them. Credit to Vicky too. They're both playing their parts perfectly here. Edge sells it perfectly. He's like. Oh God! What have I done? Um, but mm-hmm. then he's like, he kind of recovers. He's like, oh, it's it's okay. That's fine. That's fine, Vicky. It's not that bad, you know. We'll just have Taker. Uh, you know, he'll face uh, he'll face Triple H at the next pay per view, and me and you will go on our honeymoon that we missed a few weeks ago, and we'll work out our issues, and and, and it'll be fine. And Vicky's like, well, that sounds great and all, but baby, I've already scheduled an opponent to face the Undertaker at SummerSlam. Okay, um, who? You. Baby, you can't mean that. You don't mean that. You can't mean that, right? Oh, baby, I do mean it. And it will be hell and a cell. And then she just cackles like the Wicked Witch of the West. And Mm -hmm. Edge, when she says hell in a cell, Edge like stumbles back onto his butt like he's seen a ghost and sells this so perfectly as Vicky is laughing. The show goes off the air. This, you know, people talk about when, when when Mick Foley and Triple H were feuding in 2000 and all he did was like take off his shirt and it was a Cactus Jack shirt and Triple Mm -hmm. H got over the idea of Cactus Jack, even though it's just 
McFoley putting on a different T-shirt. It's not really <laughs> anything special. Right. Edge, just hearing The Undertaker's name, just hearing the words Hell in a Cell, mm-hmm. putting over how much he knows he screwed up, how much trouble he's in, how he knows he's about to die, basically. Yeah, exactly. Sold this so incredibly well. It was so good, man. So good. And just, again, from storyline-wise, that's all he's fought for since May of last year is to – he's been a thorn in Undertaker's side. He finally banished him. He's been somebody he just couldn't get away from. He finally got him gone. And then his wife didn't divorce him. She didn't sleep with another man. She didn't do anything else like that nefarious. Instead, she reinstated his biggest foe at this time like that. And it's in it's in his match in Hell in a Cell. Like that's just and yeah, he's at Edge is selling it so well here. It's just so cool to see. I just love I love the storyline, man. I love where it's headed. It makes perfect sense. And yeah, you know, Edge promised a few weeks ago, Undertaker's not just going to come back in yeah. draft. He's not just going to be, uh, you know, come back with no reason. And this makes perfect sense. This is a great way to get around that stipulation of having Undertaker be banished. It, it totally works. Yeah. Well, that's it leads us to, you know, we're headed toward uh, SummerSlam now. So we got SmackDown on August 1st, 2008. And Edge is going to have a surprise guest on the cutting edge tonight. So um, Chavo wheels Vicky in, uh, and they're wondering, you know, who's the mystery guest? And they uh, actually see Alicia Fox backstage, and JR's one, JR says, why is the wedding planner still here? Which I just thought, that's, that's a great question, JR. But we'll see why later on. But I just, at the time, I was like, that's a phenomenal question, JR. I love that. Something that Michael wouldn't have said. So You never know when a wrestling wedding might take place. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, well, Chavo comes into the Edgehead's locker room, and they're discussing how you can get your red WWE theme songs on your T-Mobile sidekick. And it, it plays their theme music. <laughs> Anytime someone calls and it's Hawkins and Ryder and uh, it's just so funny to watch this. And then I want you to talk about this next part because he's got, I know you listen to their, their uh, major wrestling figure pod and big fans of theirs. I like them too. I just don't listen to them as much as you do and stuff. But like uh, you have gotten some stuff from them on their, from Twitter and stuff. So I want you to talk about the very next part. It's just a very important piece of their history. Oh yeah. Pops big <laughs> watching this man. It's so funny because Chavo is asking them if they know who Edge's guest is, and they're like, well, we don't really talk to Edge much anymore. We don't know anything about it. So they leave, and then they go back to marking out over their theme songs on their T-Mobile sidekicks, and then Hawkins like, he, Hawkins tells Ryder, he's like, dude, have you heard? We're about to get action figures soon. And Ryder's like, I know, man, this is great. Which, listening to their podcast now, you yeah. know that was just a legit conversation that oh, they yeah. were having. <laughs> Um, and it just gets onto the show, and it's it's a fun little Easter egg here, knowing who these guys become, and yeah. uh, now knowing that that was such a part of their history. Uh, very very cool. Have they explicitly talked about that on their show that I you don't recall? Remember that them talking yeah. about that segment? But it's, uh, it's it was so funny to watch it back. Yeah, it was funny. I mean, it was great because just because we know where you know who they are today, so it was really funny. But later on, we get Edge and Alicia Fox. Alicia Fox. He's talking backstage, and he says he got her a ticket to be in the audience for the guest, not to be backstage. He wants her to be in the audience for his huge guest he's got tonight. So, um, the, again, the Los, uh, I called him Los Gross. I mean, <laughs> I mean Vicky and Chavo, <laughs> them and Bam, they have no clue. They could be Los Gross. They can, they are, yeah. yeah. 
But apparently, this is like the biggest mystery in the WWE of all. Like everyone is freaking out. Like, who's the mystery guest? So, um, the main event segment is here. It's the cutting edge. So, um, Edge comes out, and Jr. says, "You know, Edge has never competed in a Hell in a Cell match, and in that ring, he's got a table, a ladder, and a chair. And Edge sits in the chair in the middle." So. I really like the way they shot this because the atmosphere is really cool. They bring the lights all down, and it's just like a spotlight kind of on edge in the middle. So, you know, you're not getting the full lit arena. It's not all the focus is on edge in the middle. So something they don't do too often, you know. Um, but Edge says he's been trying to find some inner peace this week. You know, as he's, he undersells this. He says, my marriage is going through a rough patch, which I, I mean – you can say that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an understatement of the century. <laughs> but he says, but then he goes, but even more than that, uh, I'll be in taking on Taker in Hell in a Cell, which eh, if that's even more than your American rough patch, then you're probably in a bad way. But again, um, he's but he's really at this point, the crowd's chanting for Taker and he's really selling his fear. Like you mentioned from the last week, he just really putting over the fear of being in a hell in a cell because again he's never been in one so um and he says that he's watched all the footage of the past you know uh matches of hell in a cell and he said that was probably a mistake he's like because i know it's coming before <laughs> which i i mean he's not saying it as like a joking man he's like i probably messed up by watching like, i know what's coming i've seen all the pain and suffering but it's pretty funny to hear him say that but and he says that you know all week when he sees he sees the undertaker when he closes his eyes you know when he's lays down at night and all he sees is the undertaker so tonight he surrounded himself with his own weapons he's got tables ladders chairs things that he made famous things that helped him get rid of the taker in the first place which i thought was a nice little piece of the puzzle here the storyline this continuity i love it so and he says you know i have found the one person that can help me prepare me for this match against Undertaker against at Hell in a Cell. So someone who knows Taker better than anyone in the industry. And that person is my guest tonight. And he rolls out of the ring, gets right in front of Mick Foley. He's like, Mick Foley. And so Foley sells it well that he's surprised. Um, and the crowd's chant for Foley and Mick kind of can't believe it. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> He's like, you know, Mick, will you please join me in the ring? And Foley goes, well, he said please. So he takes his headset <laughs> off, which I, I love that. And uh, they get in the ring, and Edge is like, you know, I know we have a past. Uh, I know we've been through some things, but, you know, I've changed. I've changed. And and uh, this whole time, you can see Edge, his character, he's, he's a smarmy heel that's lost it all. He's hit rock bottom, but he's trying to schmooze this guy over. To like, you know, he's trying to... He's trying to be, you know, Ted DiBiase, like you know, smooth somebody over to, just to win him over with, you know, your charm or whatever. He's trying to, he's right. trying to do that. It's, it's really good character work. But um, he says, you know, there's something that you know eats away at, at you. I know more than than any than anything in our past ever could, you know, fully. And he says, you know, we, we get to see a, a highlight of the the whole attitude era basically in 1998 yeah. <laughs> it's just basically 90 in the 97 to 98 it's everything all the high spots everything you know we remember all the stuff with austin and dx but again it really focuses on that hell in the cell uh the throw off the top of the ladder the choke slam through the i mean off the top of the cell the choke slam through the cell what we covered on here as a watch along i believe because what else are you going to say about that match but yeah. um and edge says you know it's been 10 years and no one has forgotten that match and 
He said, I know that you literally feel this match every day. He said, I, I saw you backstage before that. I watched you walk backstage, and now I've watched you try to walk since that match. Which, again, man, like that's such good, like, real storytelling. I liked it. So, and Edge is like, you know, I know that it eats you up inside, you know. And he says, you know, I'm asking for your help to defeat The Undertaker to exercise that demon of The Undertaker that hangs over you, that, you know, that maybe it'll all just wash away if you can help me defeat somebody that you couldn't, you know, defeat, somebody that, that broke you down. So, you know, kind of the, the, Enemy of my enemy is my friend type yes, thing. So, uh, yes. yeah, that's kind of where he's going here. So, Foley's like, you know, you make some great points. I was never the same after that match. But, you know, part of me wants to help you. But you've really hurt my credibility over the months, Foley says. He said, you know, because I – he said, you know, I have my word and I have a bond with the fans. And for years I've been saying that you are the greatest superstar in WWE, even when it hasn't been popular. He says, you know, the problem is that – these people think you suck, <laughs> which I thought was great because Foley's a master of bringing serious and comedy together. It's, yes. it's really good. So um, he says, you know, th the fans are seeing you take shortcuts. You cheat. You're allowing your wife to win titles. You know, I'm not going to help you. I, I won't and I can't. Not only will I not help you, I can't help you. But I know the one person who can. Edge. Edge. You need to look inside your heart, your soul, and inside your mind and find the Edge who made me say you were the greatest superstar in WWE. Remember the Edge who shattered through the grass ceiling when everyone else said it wouldn't be popular? You need to find that Edge. The Edge who took the letters T. LC and made them mean something. The edge who smelled his own flesh burning and didn't mind because it reminded him of victory. If you can find that edge, you will find, or the, the, the fans will see the most innovative, violent matchup in WWE history. If this edge, though, a tuxedo wearing, loofah sponge bathing, teeter totter riding edge, if that edge comes to the SummerSlam, Taker's going to tear you apart. And this whole time, Edge, you can see him taking it all in. You can see the wheel spinning in his head about, you know, he's reacting. Again, it's actually really good acting. Yes. Like, a lot of wrestlers are bad actors. He's a really good actor in this, you know? And again, they don't go to actor school before they get on, on screen. A lot of them transition to acting after their wrestling career is over. But Edge is doing great acting right here. And, you know, he says, you know, I, I understand. And then he just nails Mick Foley with the microphone. And uh, Foley starts to fight back, and he slams Edge's head off the announce table, gives us a little bang-bang with his fingers. I love that. You know, still got it. And he grabs a chair, but Edge boots it into his face, spears him. Foley gets a mandible claw on him for like two seconds, but Edge hits him with a low blow. Puts him on the table that's set up in the ring. Remember, he had, the, he had the table, ladder, and chair in the ring. Sets him up there, climbs up the ladder uh, with the chair in his hand, holds that thing, holds the, uh, holds the chair, excuse me, and elbow drops the chair through Foley through the table. And 
it's just such a sight to see. And Edge is standing tall, kind of just ripping at his hair, pulling it out, overlooking the damage that he's just done to, you know, a guy who kind of mentored him. You know, he's he's bringing that edge out, the edge that Mick Foley talked about. So it is just, man, this is a gem of wrestling promos to watch, man. I, I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> I agree. It's another must-watch. It's it's great because it's it's real. Yes, you, you believe everything that Edge is saying to Mick Foley is true. You're talking yes. about him. He looked one way before he went into that match. He looked another way when he walked out of it. Everything mm-hmm. Mick Foley says is true. Like yes. people love Edge, but they don't take him seriously because he takes yes. all these shortcuts. So it's grounded in all this realism. It's very. It felt like it could be out of a Batman movie or just out of a comic book movie. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it's so, it's so cinematic. It's so, you know, I'm sure a little bit of it was scripted, but I'm sure most of it was these two guys, you know, making it their own thing. And that's just the magic that happens when you have two veterans, two pros that have so much mm-hmm. history with each other and that can pull off something like this. Yeah, and, well, and since you went ahead and said, like, out of a Batman movie, let me just say this. So this is the summer of what movie came out? The, the Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. Yeah, first movie that my wife and I and you you took me with when well, we all went to saw it saw it uh, together. Dark Knight. Um, I saw it literally twelve times in theater. Twelve. Um, I've never seen a movie more than that. Uh, maybe it was nine, nine or twelve. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, I've never seen another movie more than three times in theater. I saw Dark Knight. I think it was nine. I think it was nine. I saw it in IMAX. I saw it in the drive-in. Saw it at the cheap theater multiple times. Yeah, I saw it. I think it was nine times. Anyway. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time, but this is the summer that that movie came out. Um, Edge on the After the Bell podcast this past week with Corey Graves said that he was just talking to him about being an actor and what is he, you know, how is he going to bring that into his character now, now that he has actually been an actor on Haven and, you know, in Vikings and stuff like that. And he said that, you know, um, he said, actually, he said, I, I, I started that back in 2008. He said, when I was feuding with Undertaker and Undertaker wasn't there, he said, I was trying to carry that feud, not carry like in a bad way, but carry the feud on screen by myself. He said, so what I did, I took from the Joker in the Dark Knight movie. He said, that movie had just come out. He said, I took from that character. He said, whereas, you know, Taker is like Batman. I was the Joker. You could see me deteriorating. And the, the SmackDown you're about to talk about, you really do get to see it. Like, he said, I literally didn't wash my hair for a week between SmackDown tapings. He said, I wouldn't wash my hair. He said, when I got to TV, I would ask makeup to put bags under my eyes mm. because I wanted – they're not big. They're not over-the-top cartoony. But And I I'd heard that before I watched these episodes of SmackDown. So you can go back and watch it. He does have bags under his eyes. His hair does look a little greasy, a little, you know – like frilly like he's he's losing it but he's he got all that from heath ledger's portrayal of the joker and the whole you complete me thing joker says it to batman in that movie you know you complete me like they're two sides of the same coin there and it's just really cool how i always bring up batman as much as i can on the show edge literally says that's where he got this character this part of his character from so and we'll even touch on some more of that later on as we go so i want to just since you went ahead and said batman i want to go ahead and bring it in here (laughs) so pretty cool yeah yeah, you can see it. Absolutely. Yeah, you can. You can. All right, so let's hit these last two weeks before we get to the match itself here. August <laughs> we're not even to the match yet. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. There's so much good stuff, too. Yeah. August 8th, 2008. So that actually writes Mick Foley out of 
the company, basically, for yeah. a little while. You know, it's Mick Foley. He'll be back a million times. But I think this is where he does his TNA run uh, mm-hmm. after this. But, of course, uh, it's been told a million times. He couldn't take Vince McMahon's uh, over-directing, I guess, on commentary. And so that was short-lived. And uh, the Taz is going to come in and replace him uh-huh. on commentary. So we've got JR and the Taz. <clears throat> and uh, this night, there's... Another overarching story going on the entire night where all of La Familia is going to end up being found attacked with black roses on top of them. So Hawkins and Ryder call in Vicky and Chavo because they need to see Bam Neely is unconscious backstage, has a black rose placed on top of them. Obviously, as you're watching this, you're thinking the Undertaker is coming after all these guys. Later on, Hawkins bursts into Vicky's office and asks her if they've seen Zack Ryder, and they say, no, go check the parking lot. And then after the Indian broken glass arm wrestling contest between the Great Kali and Triple H, <laughs> because they're facing each other for the world title at SummerSlam, yeah. unfortunately, uh, we see Hawkins laid out with a black rose on top of him, and Chavo tells Vicky... We must be next. It's The Undertaker. He's coming after us. So the only thing we can do is to go ask Edge for help. And Vicky doesn't want to do it, but she reluctantly she tears up the rose in frustration. And she's like, fine, because um, she's scared. She's scared The Undertaker is coming after her. So Chavo brings in Edge, finally, to see Vicky. And Vicky is still furious at him, but Edge says, I have a plan I want to make sure we don't get attacked next, but you have to do things my way. And so he begs her to do things his way, and Vicky finally reluctantly says yes. So they leave, and they head to the ring. And they make it out to the ring. Edge, Vicky, and Chavo are all out there together, and Edge calls out The Undertaker. And Edge gets a couple of chairs in his hands, and... uh, he eventually turns around and sneak attacks Chavo with one of the chairs. So Chavo goes down. Vicky is in the wheelchair, screaming in the corner. And then Edge gives Chavo, his, his best man at his wedding, a concerto as Vicky cries mm. out. And then Edge walks over to her and he's taunting Vicky and then drags her out of the wheelchair, drags her into the middle of the ring, or, or he pushes her into the middle of the ring, he threatens to flip her out of her wheelchair. And then he decides he's not going to do it, and then he does do it anyway. He pushes her out of the wheelchair. He kind of creeps over to Vicky, backs her into a corner. Vicky is just losing her mind, screaming and crying. And Edge asks her if it's finally dawned on her that the person she doesn't, she needs to worry about is not the Undertaker. It's him. And he berates her for putting him into the hell in a cell as some sort of punishment and says that Mick Foley was right. This is the edge that needs to face Undertaker and Hell in a Cell. Yeah. The Undertaker wants to take me down. Well, I'm going to pull the Undertaker down to hell with me. I'm going to take the entire family with me. And Vicky, more than anyone else, I'm going to take you down to hell with me. Just like you mentioned, Travis, he is absolutely 
out of his mind here. Mm-hmm. Just very disturbing, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, much more than a, just a normal wrestling villain. He is legitimately yeah. disturbing here. And it's a side... Honestly, I don't know that we've ever seen out of him. Uh, certainly not in a long, long time. And it's just excellently performed and acted here by Edge. Yeah, I mean, he's he's good. And again, I just mentioned that Joker tidbit. You can kind of see him really playing into that character here, you know, like the Joker. And it's going to get even bigger here as we hit the go-home show for the SummerSlam here. So, um Vicky, this is SmackDown, uh, August 15th, 2008. We're heading into SummerSlam here, and Vicky's backstage in her office, and Victoria comes in, and do you remember them being, like, a thing? Like, no. Loosely associated <laughs> or anything, but you'd think they were, like, best buds here, because Victoria's in, and she's, you know, kind of consoling Vicky and says she hasn't seen Edge or Undertaker tonight, but I'll go look for him. Vicky's like, no, 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 I don't want to be left alone, because they're both here, and so she's kind of got Victoria as her right-hand woman here. Um, don't know why. But hey, man. That's why we did this podcast. We get to talk about everybody. I didn't exactly. think we'd talk about Victoria on this well, podcast. I love Victoria. She's great. She's great. Yeah. I'm not sure what she's wearing here, but it's something. So, But uh, another little pivot here. The Brian Kendrick takes on a debuting Scotty Goldman. Oh. Who we know and love as Colt Cabana, the kind of the godfather of the uh, wrestling podcast. So. Yeah, man. He paved the way for us to be here. He did. So, yeah, he uh, makes his SmackDown debut here and losing effort against the Brian Kendrick. So There's a lot of oh. short-lived runs during this few yeah. months on SmackDown, and he's one of them, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Well, later on, Victoria's reading a, you know, a kind of a, a, I don't know if it's like a Easter egg or what, but it's a WWE magazine with The Undertaker bliss blazing on the cover of it so pretty cool but anyway vicky says that you know i love i still loved edge even after what he did with alicia but after last week i never ever want to see him again so um which i don't know i could take my spouse yelling at me but infidelity would try to put me over the top i could <laughs> she's got it backwards so. yeah <laughs> uh, but anyway um but uh, she says that you know this is a bad idea to be here tonight so will you just please take me to my limo and Victoria's like, yeah, sure, I'll take you. So she goes to wheel Vicky to the limo, and uh, who's sitting in the back window? Edge rolls it down and asks for some grape upon. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. I wish you would have. Way more serious than that. Although it would have fit his maniacal it character here, but yeah. he rolls the window down, and it's almost like, where to, Stephanie? Kind of thing. Like he's just peeking there through the window, and Vicky screams, and she falls down, and she's sobbing, and Edge is like, oh, tonight we're going to have us some fun. So. He puts her back in the wheelchair and takes her for a ride, and he is like, he's like spinning her around, doing like donuts in the wheelchair. And as he leaves the camera screen, like the the stage here, uh, the garage, he actually does a heel click. I mean, like jumps up to the heel <laughs> click, which that after I I just heard him talk about being that Joker character. I, I mean, I could see him doing this. Like, this is something the Joker in like Heath Ledger's portrayal would do, or even Jack Nicholson's. At this point, it's all we had yeah. really. So, I could really see him channeling just that that Batman, that Joker character here. So, it just really, the more you, the more this goes on, the more you see that character come coming through. So, what about uh, Jared Leto's Joker? Well, that wasn't here yet, but no, I can't. I definitely couldn't see that. Maybe uh, that would be more like a. That would have been him, maybe with him and Lita, I guess. Okay. A little bit more sultry. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. I hated that movie. Uh, I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> 
you should see the extended cut. It's got about an extra two and a half minutes. It's great. No, so um, later on, we uh, see her. Um, basically, he's pushing her into stuff backstage. You got the obligatory uh, giant metal rods in the boxes that are just always backstage at the wrestling show. He pushes him into that and actually like backs her up and takes takes her for a jump over a ramp and she's really overacting and screaming but like she's really yeah. selling you know I'm scared of my spouse here you know for all her overacting edges edges stuff is is great it makes up for it so and he's like you know the ride's not over it's gonna end when we get to the ring so buckle up and he's just really playing that character and um we get a great promo here for the HBK versus Jericho program uh, and we see Edge will Vicky out and I want to kind of put a, a uh, a pin in that and we'll get back to it when we actually cover SummerSlam but we gotta talk about how those programs are on opposite shows so yeah same time yeah we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute at SummerSlam but anyway just good stuff good stuff there but um, he wheels her down to the ramp and uh, even kind of lets her go from time to time and he winds up dumping her at the bottom of the ring and then I don't think I've ever seen a promo cut like this have you what he's about to, to cut no that's what I loved about it yeah, so he um, he dumps her at the bottom of the ring and then grabs a mic and lays on the like on the outside like next to her, and you know he says, you know, I know we're in a rough patch. We've had some good times, we've had some bad, and I want to go around and see the good times. And he kind of sits with his arm around her. He's like, you know what, you know, I'm a good cuddler, so cuddle up next to me. And it's just being just like just just a snake, man. Honestly, yes. and. He rolls that beautiful bean footage from what they basically their their last seven months of, of the stuff they've gone through and the wedding, obviously. And then we get clips of Taker in the Hell in a Cell and the beating he gave Foley and times that he's taken on Taker in the ring. And then him, it ends with him yelling at her last week. So cut back to him at ringside and he's got his arm around her and they they both lie back on the ground. So they're laying down on the outside mat, like looking up and the camera's right above him. So I just really love the way it's shot here. It's so different. It's not in the middle of the ring because again, this crazy guy didn't need that. He wasn't, he's like the Joker character. He's just a dog chasing cars. Doesn't know what to do when he catches it, you know, like just to borrow a line from that movie. Like he's just, he's out of his mind. So I like that. They didn't have it, uh, look cookie cutter like the rest of the show does. So, um, anyway, uh, he, you know, he wants Vicky to apologize to the Undertaker, and he yells at her, "Say sorry to Undertaker." So she quietly says sorry, and he's like, "Louder, louder!" Just yelling at her, and scares me. Like he's terrifying. Yeah, like, if this do. dude was yelling in my face, like it would be very difficult to like stay calm or even even acting. Like it, it would it would startle me even if we're just acting. So, but he's like, you know, you caused all of this, gritting through his teeth and yelling at her, and you know, you're I blame you for all the pain and suffering the family's taken, and. You know, he says that he, you know, she wants him to burn in hell. Well, why am I burning in hell? My brain is burning from the inside out. And he promises that Taker's going to burn in hell with him. And he says, Undertaker, why wait till SummerSlam? We should do this right now. Please, please, please. And he's kind of going nuts. And like I said, just gritting his teeth and talking through his, his teeth. And he's almost pulling his hair out as he's um, going to, he says he's going to show Taker the purest form of hell you've ever been in. And he tells Vicky that. You know, we, we said other vows besides for, for better or worse. And it can really apply to hell in a cell. Edge versus Undertaker. 
do us part. Thought that was a pretty cool way to to end to kind of end that part there, because then after that he's kind of straddling over Vicky. He almost mocks that Shakespeare pose of Taker and kind of puts his hands up like Taker would, and he's just kind of looking up at the ceiling as we are heading into SummerSlam here, and just a really, really, really stellar promo once again. I mean, home run, bases loaded promo, like awesome. Absolutely, uh, you know this. I think everyone remembers that Mick Foley segment, which they should. Mm. It's fantastic, uh, and. Also uh, a must-watch, but so is this, man. And I've never seen this one before. It's so unique, so different. I love that it's not just them in the ring, but them laying down, cuddled together outside Mm -hmm. the ring. And Edge is so believable. Like you said, Vicky, you know, she overacts a little bit, but, you know, it is what it is. She's still good. She's still doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't, like, take away from no. me. I'm just pointing it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't feel like professional wrestling. It, it no. It feels like a movie, like a creepy thriller. And it's because, also because Edge has built this character up for so long. Like, all the way back to his stuff with Lita. You know, mm-hmm. you could say this is the culmination of him going off the deep end and chasing the gold for so long has driven him off the deep end. And then this feud with Undertaker, all of this has encapsulated in this. And so what a perfect way to build up to SummerSlam here. And like you said, Undertaker's not here for any of it. Edge shoulders this completely on his own, but makes you want to put your money down to see what the heck is going to happen here in Hell in a Cell. Even though these guys have faced each other, this will be the fifth time on pay-per-view in 2008, and yet you still want to see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And it's like, it's... it's, Similar long-lasting story to the Batista thing, which we you and I both raved about, but like it's so much better than that because you've got a true heel that he's fighting against, who's lost his mind, you know. But again, stretching out the matches over the whole year, but really, really great. And yeah, man, I, if I'd have had fifty bucks or whatever, we should have sat on <laughs> sat on and watched this together. I don't know why we didn't, man. This is great stuff. Well, Probably because I was more focused on watching Raw, which is I want to mention, kind of. Yeah, and you talked ahead. about you were you were definitely back into things here as we get to mm-hmm. the SummerSlam 2008, August 17th, 2008, from Conseco Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana. Jose? Uh, Jose Conseco Fieldhouse. Um, hmm. I, I know I've seen this one. I actually remember renting it from Blockbuster sort of in late 2008, whenever it came out on DVD. And um, I don't remember exactly when I first really dove back into being, you know, hardcore watching wrestling every single week after this, but it it was sometime around then, but I, I specifically remember watching this DVD and this match in particular, even though I hadn't seen the whole storyline play out, uh, you know, I got what I needed from the video package beforehand and just the way the whole match plays out. I remember back in the day, it kind of reinvigorated a little bit about why I loved professional wrestling, why I loved the art form and the storytelling so much in the first place. And so uh, very excited to talk about it here. And uh, like you mentioned, it sort of parallels this feud with Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels that I know definitely sort of helped keep you or, or bring you back into being a fan during that time as well. Yeah, that's really the story, you know, that brought me into to watching Raw and to being more uh, into it every single week. Like I said, I would read SmackDown, but it's, it's Friday night. I'm 22 years old. I'm not home, you know, and so 
Um, I remember reading all the SmackDown stuff, but not seeing it. Getting to lay my eyes on this fresh, like a fresh set of eyes on this buildup has been like, what an idiot! I missed all this stuff. It's so good. But um, Edge just talked about this on him, him and Christian's podcast before that. You know, everyone remembers Jericho and Sean over on Raw having this great storyline that drags on the whole year too. But then he's like, me and Taker had this like we had the parallel of that over on SmackDown, and it often gets forgotten just because we were the B show, you know. Um, even though he said, I think we had a better storyline because it went on for a longer time. Um, no, you know, not putting down Jericho or Sean. There's two of the best of all time, but, you know, just saying that it's him, him and Taker, you know. But, and I, I agree, it probably does get pushed down a little bit more because it's the B show. But anyway, but I want to talk about, like, just Jericho talks about how, um, you know, he, this character during this time, he modeled after uh, Antoine Chigurh or whatever, the character from No Country for Old Men, which I just thought was neat. But he's also yeah. said, like, he, he, he kind of thought about Joker too during this because the Dark Knight just come out. So I just thought it was neat how both these guys modeled after that one iconic character portrayal of the Heath Ledger's Joker. It's just really cool. Plus, plus that you know I love Batman. So um, Jericho obviously was a little less maniacal and stuff like that. But I mean, he was uh, you know as far as him uh, just being a dastardly heel, he really put took some cues from that and from No Country for Old Men. But it's interesting because their their feud. Sean and Jericho's does last a long time, but they don't have a match at SummerSlam. And it's really neat because um, Jericho, I've heard him say this. He's like, you know, we specifically asked not to have a match. He's like, because you got the blow off of, of Taker and Edge. You've got Triple H in the world title match. You got Batista and, and John Cena, which is, mm-hmm. it's a main event anywhere there is. You know, he's like, you got all this stuff. Why would me and Sean want to be just caught in the middle of it? Like, he's like, we had. We asked for it to go on, you know, later on, and they, this is where they have that great in-ring promo where he actually punches HBK's wife for a shoot in the in the lip, and um, which to me did more than a match would have. You know, they put that put that over more than the match even would have. So really cool. I just wanted to mention that because again, that storyline parallels the 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 Edge Taker one in my book. Like 2008 is the story, the year of these two storylines, in my opinion. So, and again, both of them. Well, that one brought me back in, but I really did enjoy what I was reading about Edge and Taker too, and I enjoyed this match. I do remember watching this match uh, later on when it came out on DVD. So I, I do think it's an underrated period in WWE history, and I mm-hmm. said this before. I think it's, I think a lot of people dropped off after the Chris Benoit stuff went down, mm-hmm. and so I think a lot of people missed uh, a lot of the stuff. So it's kind of slept on a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about Jericho being someone who we could do a podcast like this on. Sure. Who knows? Maybe one day. We're, we're, we're winding down this Undertaker thing. Who knows? We'll have to talk about yeah. what comes after that. But we may talk about that more in depth one day. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, Edge and Undertaker is going to be the main event tonight, even though it is not for the world title or anything like that. Just goes to show you what yeah. a great story is being told here. And it is the sole focus of the opening video package as well. Uh, we see mm-hmm. a text poll later in the night, and interestingly, it's not asking about the match; it's asking the fans if they think Edge and Vicky are going to get a divorce. And seventy-eight percent of the fans say yes. So there you go; Yikes. the results are in. That's not a great forecast for their marriage here, as the uh, no. the Hell in a Cell is lowered to the ring for our main event, and we've got Jr. and the Taz on commentary. <laughs> That's right, man. And I was just. I wrote my notes like this is going to be so good to listen with Jr. calling it. It's yes. he always calls big matches really well, especially back then. You know, P 
people might say he's struggling nowadays. He's still good old JR Murray. I still love him, but you know, and it's hell in a cell. You know it's gonna be good calls from JR. So again, this is the main event. Edge comes out first. No La Familia, which you know, we're pretty much figured that was gonna be the case here, but he is he is wide eyed here, man. He is pulling at his own teeth, has his fingers in his mouth, just pulling his teeth, kind of rub pulling his hair out too, and just looking crazy. And again, like I'm beating a dead horse, but the more I talk about this Joker character, the more you see it when he comes out, you know? Um, just really good stuff. And, uh, dude, can we talk about this set? But This set behind him is like a movie marquee, I guess you could say. Like, it is awesome. It's really cool. They're kind of dubbing it the biggest blockbuster of the summer, which I think they used a few times. Uh, but, yeah, it looks awesome. I thought they were in Hollywood, but they're in I know. Indianapolis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, the great Hollywood town of Indianapolis. But, <laughs> yeah, and, and again, it provides for an excellent Undertaker entrance as well mm-hmm. when he comes out. But, yeah, uh, they, they're in the dying, dages, uh, dying days of having really cool sets every month. Yeah. Uh, and this is another one here. Yeah, and uh, JR says Edge is a big match specialist, and he's 7-0 and in singles matches at WrestleMania, which that's all Michael Cole had to say. He's, seven, he's undefeated in singles matches at WrestleMania. That's all that we asked of Michael Cole, but JR just takes what Cole says and makes it even better. So, he does. Uh, JR says Edge, uh, he, he said, he said, you know, Edge did not come here tonight to compete but to win, which I think is cool. You might, if you don't, if you pay attention, you know there's, there's, there's a difference there. So, um, and Edge is blinking real hard and licking his chops and waiting quietly for Taker to to come in. And the anticipation is awesome for this crowd because again, there's there's dead there's Edge's music goes off and there's probably about 45 seconds of just dead air before Taker's gong hits. And that's classic Undertaker too, as he mm-hmm. makes Edge wait for him to come out. Edge is smiling and laughing like an insane person the whole time and. Finally, the gong hits. Undertaker returns to 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 WWE for the mm-hmm. first time in two months here, and he loves double double He does, man. <laughs> uh, it's spectacular. It uses up the set, pyro, smoke, lights, everything here. Uh, Undertaker makes his first appearance since One Night Stand, and of course, another Undertaker signature. He's gonna come out, get to the door of the Hell in the Cell, take off the hat, take off the jacket. Step inside Hell in a Cell and slam that door mm. behind him. Always love oh, to yeah. see that. Absolutely, it's just such a staple of these big matches like this with the, the Elimination Chamber, the Cell Cage matches. So good stuff. And meanwhile, this whole time, like Edge has kind of sat in the corner like Raven, but he hasn't taken his eyes off Taker. He's gotten back up. He's he's almost. Um, I know you wrote in your notes. He looks. He smiles like the Joker, kind of. And like this particular part right here reminded me of that scene in dark night when joker's standing in the middle of the street and batman's riding his <laughs> thing i mean he's like come on hit me hit me hit me and, you know that that part he's kind of just daring the batman to, 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 to come at him and that's kind of what edge is doing here to take her he's just like he's ready just come on hit me let's go let's do this thing so i just really saw that parallel um right here and it just man again i was marking out like a kid watching this <laughs> i'll tell you what undertaker was ready man he did not make the sting a mistake because he has got a full head-to-toe tan coming into this match oh yeah Dude, he is he is the dark knight if you will uh, <laughs> i think that's all he did for two months off so, laying the tan in bed 
Um, JR notes on commentary that Undertaker, he's got the experience advantage. He's been in 8 out of 15 of the previous Hell in a Cell matches, which I did not fact check, but I'm going to go with it. Sounds right. Sure, man. Sounds perfect. We've covered 8 Hell in a Cells here? Ah, man. That seems like a lot. It does, but <laughs> let's go with it. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. For the sake of time, we're going to go with it. <laughs> we're going to go with it, man. Let's get yeah. to this match. As uh, the bell rings, and uh, you mentioned in your notes, man, these guys have not been together on TV for months, and yet the anticipation is there. This match feels so, so, so yes. important. The crowd is on their feet. I'm basically on my feet in my living room watching oh, yeah. it 15, or 12 years later. Uh, the bell rings, and Taker comes at Edge, but Edge ducks out of the way. Edge hammers Taker in the corner, but, of course, Taker throws him out, throws him back in the corner. It's you know, it's the sequence we've seen in so many mm-hmm. Undertaker matches, uh, but it works. Yeah, Taker's going to push him off. Like Edge kind of does 10 punches. Taker pushes him off, gives him a big boot, and JR says that he's not sure that any other wrestler has given The Undertaker more problems in his career than Edge, which... I was trying to think back. I mean, I mean, psychological stuff. You got Kane, you know, and then Foley-ish. Mankind, but like, as far yeah. as like, yeah, Mick Foley, uh, mankind stuff. But as far as like, in the ring, throwing in his side, screwing him out of titles and stuff. Like Edge probably has given him more storyline issues. You know. Yeah, um, he's got to go up on the Mount Rushmore of Undertaker rivals. Oh yeah, without question. So, well then, Taker's going to headbutt Edge and throw him over the top rope and. Slams Edge back first into the cell and starts get, laying some boots and headbutts to him. And then JR uh, or Taz makes a good point. He says, You know, you were there to call the first Hell in the Cell match when the Undertaker you know, faced Shawn Michaels. And, you know, so doesn't really have any follow up to that. He's just like, <laughs> FYI. But I was like, Oh, that's a neat little fact. <laughs> okay, that's a true story. <laughs> Thanks, Taz. <laughs> Thanks, I am old. <laughs> Uh, Undertaker, you know, he's dominating the early minutes of this match. He slams Edge into the wall of the cell, hits a series of headbutts on him, slams Edge into the door, grates Edge's face across the cell, slams Edge into the steps, and then, interestingly, we see La Familia watching the match backstage. Uh, of course, at the patented 45-degree um, angle that everyone in WWE watches television at. <laughs> But there you go. I feel like I was watching Nitro. I feel like I'm cutting <laughs> the back and like NWO was watching. Yeah, yeah. It's always at an angle though. It's ridiculous. So, oh man. But yeah, at this point, Taker's about to go for like, or he does the apron leg drop, and then he grabs the steps and puts him in the ring and leans him up against the corner, and he uh, hits snake goes to hit Snake Eyes on the like face first into the steps from Edge. He actually catches himself. They say, I think he hit it, but he catches himself and he winds up elbowing Taker off the rebound there. And he actually, Edge winds up throwing Taker into the steps and then does a basement drop kick where Taker's kind of leaning back against the steps. So just really using the steps to his advantage, bounces off the ropes and hits a low spear. Really cool looking. Yeah, like, that was awesome. Low, yeah, Taker's like sitting up, you know, with his back against the, the steps and Taker, or Edge does a low spear right into him against the steps. So really, really cool. Really unique there as yeah. Edge has under the ring. He grabs a table. Uh, he turns around and then slams the stairs into Taker again to keep him down. Uh, rolls back out of the ring and grabs a second table. And then, I love this, man. Edge runs back in the ring again and hits a clothesline to keep Undertaker down. Yes. Uh, this is one thing we've talked about here on here a lot, but uh, I think we both heard it on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. He talks about how Undertaker 
he won't just sit around and wait for right. you to do stuff. You know, he's going to keep making you, um, he, he sells on the run as he talks about it, or mm-hmm. he's just, he, you know, he's not going to play dead, uh, if it doesn't make sense. So edge and keeps having selfish. to go in there. Yeah, it's not selfish. It's, it's protecting that character. It has nothing to do with like, you know, selfishness or anything like, but it, it really does protect that dead man character, you know? Uh, it has from the get-go but yeah I, I really like that i really i noticed that too the edge is really he knows that he's, yeah. he can't just go out there he's got to punch take her put him down close on him go back out get a table come back in and it's just it's really cool but in the me- middle of all this melee edge winds up stacking the tables outside i guess the table for two i guess, I guess. He, he puts two on top <laughs> and uh he's gonna try to suplex taker over the top rope through those but taker's gonna goozle him and then Edge drops him neck first on the top rope to counter. So that's kind of a story that we've seen with Edge and Taker. Is Edge always has a counter to everything Taker has. So um, he grabs a chair and hits Taker with it. And then t- Jr. Another little fun fact for you tells us this is the first Hell in a Cell in the SummerSlam history. So ah, there you go. There you go. Fun fact for fun you. Fun fact. <laughs> mm. um, Edge grabs a third table at this point and he places it into the ring this time. And then gives Taker a stiff shot across the back with the with the chair. Uh, Edge keeps going under the ring, man. It's like he's playing No Mercy, trying to get all these props <laughs> yeah. out from under the ring. Uh, and he emerges with two ladders this time, getting all the toys out to play with. Heads back into the ring and again hits Undertaker over the head with the chair. Mm. Sets up a ladder in the ring. Hits another headshot to Undertaker. So every time he's setting up a piece of furniture, he goes back and it's another shot to Undertaker to continue keeping him down. It's just just those little things, those little touches yeah. that really elevate this match. Oh, absolutely. He kind of collapses on the steps, Edge does, and then he picks Taker up to put him on the table and punches Taker. And then uh, Edge takes a chair with him up the ladder, and he's kind of going to call back to that thing with Mick Foley the other week. And he says, he even says, and the camera picks up on him, he says, I understand. Because, again, that is such good storytelling. Foley said, you know, do you understand what you have to do? Edge said, I understand, and he went nuts. Well, here he is again, calling back to that. He's on top of the ladder with the chair. He says, I understand, and he dro- jumps off, and chair elbow drops like he's Sabu in ECW. <laughs> chair elbow drops, take her to the table, and only gets a, gets a huge two count that the fans are just erupts for. So. so he doesn't get the pin there, so he goes to the – Old classic for him. Goes for a concerto, but Taker blocks it with a goozle. Uh, He knocks down Edge with a right hand. Boots Edge off the side of the ring apron into the cell. So Taker's going to take over for a minute here. He he goes outside, grabs the stairs, rams them into Edge. Taker picks up Edge up on his shoulders, but Edge slides out and shoves Taker into the ring post. And then Edge kind of catapults himself off the stairs, sort of like a spear into Taker, into the side of the cell, and they collapse through the outside of the cell as it that panel of the cell nearly takes Jim Ross's head off, man. Yeah, goes, I know. Like, into the front row. I'm not sure if JR knew that was coming or not, but dang near uh, decapitated him. I don't think they measured that well. So, yeah, it, it falls in the announce table, and, yeah, it almost hits JR in the face, so... Really cool looking spot though, you know. I think it had been done before, but maybe not this particular way. But they've busted out of the cell before. But anyway, it's really cool to see here. And uh, 
Taker throws actually winds up getting up first somehow because he's Undertaker, but yeah. he throws uh, Edge back first in the barricade and then prepares one of the announce tables for deletion. And actually, he swings a monitor at Edge, but Edge ducks and hits Taker with the monitor twice. And then he's got Taker laid on the middle announce table, and Edge climbs on the one on the far right. Taker, as Taker gets up, Edge is going to run across the one table onto the second one, spear Taker off the middle one through the table on the far left. If that makes sense, hopefully. I painted that picture for you guys. Basically, he's running across two tables and spearing Taker through the last one. So, really, really cool. I just wanted to mention, too, like, just like we mentioned at TLC, Taker does not have to do this. As He does not have to take these bombs. Right. He is helping put Adam Copeland on another level as Edge. This is his character. He does not have to do this 18 years in his career. But he is. Because he's unselfish. <laughs> and, again, it's... You know, kind of funny. Undertaker, he actually gets up first here, strangely. Mm-hmm. As he and Edge both kind of struggle up back to their feet, and they're throwing hands with each other. Undertaker tosses Edge back inside the cell, but Edge picks up one of those ladders that he's pulled out already and smacks Taker in the head with it. And then Edge grabs a video camera. So this is a callback to Survivor Series yeah. 2007, where Undertaker was facing Batista inside Hell in a Cell. And Mm -hmm. JR, love him for this. He says this is shades of that as Edge hits Taker in the head with it. But again, it only gets a two count here. So that's one of the really cool things about this match is we're going to see a lot of callbacks to uh, not just Edge and Undertaker matches, but just to their whole rivalry in general. Exactly. I love that. Really, really good stuff. So... Um, like I said, Edge is then going to go for a spear, but he's going to eat a choke slam instead. Big two count here. Uh, Taker goes for a last ride, but Edge is going to nail Taker with a Death Valley blow right between the knees here. And Edge hits that Impaler DDT for another big two count. Taker sits up, though, and Edge goes and grabs a ladder. And Taker hits him in the stomach and goes for a last ride. But he's he's kind of sets him up for the last ride, and he's like, hmm. He notices the table for two. So he's going to take him over there to hit to hit the last ride over the top rope. But Edge is going to flip over his head and hit a spear, kind of rebounding off the ropes and hit a – this is this right here was a perfect near fall. Like yes. the crowd bit on it, hook, line, and sinker, thought it could have been the end. So great, great near fall. Oh, dude, this crowd is into every mm-hmm. single near fall here uh, as Edge – Man, makes the classic mistake. Goes for those 10 yeah. punches in the corner. Hadn't studied the tape. Uh, but And Taker hits the last ride out of the corner for another near fall. Um, Undertaker picks up Edge up on top of the steel steps. And he's going to go for a tombstone on top of the steps. But Edge actually slips out of that one and hits an Edge-O-Matic onto the steps. That sort of reverse x-factor face buster mm-hmm. on there and gets another two count off of that so lots of good near falls going back and forth here as edge and undertaker continue to reverse each other yeah and jr points out you know taker's been given shot after shot to the back in the chairs earlier so his back probably gave out there and now it's going to hurt even worse because he just fell back first onto the stairs so really good psychology there and then again like you said two count for Edge here, commentary is like, how the heck are these guys still going? The crowd's clapping. Both men are getting up. The crowd is clapping, not yes. not, not just for Undertaker, but for what they're witnessing. This is one of those, like, it's not not the fans we have nowadays that are like, you know, this is awesome, but, like, this is almost the, the 
infancy of that kind of stuff. They're just applauding the spectacle that they're witnessing, which I thought was pretty, pretty cool here. Again, because you got so much story layered into this. So good stuff. Really good stuff here. And Edge, he's going to try to go for Undertaker's stuff here. He takes Undertaker's arm and heads up to the top rope for old school, as JR just calls it sacrilegious. And uh, Taker yanks Edge down, crotches him across the turnbuckle, goozles Edge, and choke slams him from the top rope through that double stack of tables onto the floor. Uh, as whew, what a spot! Yeah, what a spot indeed, man. It looked so dangerous to me. And then Taker's going to pick Edge up out of the rubble there, put him in the ring, and Taker's going to hit Edge with a spear, which was yes. pretty cool to see. Yeah, awesome. It was awesome. So he did a good job with it, you know. Um, and then Taker's not going to go for the pinfall here. He's going to grab that camera. Again, He's now we've kind of flipped the script. He's hitting Edge with all of Edge's stuff. So he hit him with a spear. He grabs the camera. And Jr. Absolutely knocked me out of my seat with this line. He dude, he goes because Taker nails Edge with that camera, and, take, and you know they just moved to HD this year, 2008. And Jr.'s like, that was just like, holy cow! Line of the night. <laughs> oh, that's it, dude. I'm done. That was that was done. That was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Oh. <laughs> I don't know where that Human devastation. <laughs> but uh, after JR unleashes that, um, I love that Taz actually perked up and said, he pointed out, this is Undertaker revisiting everything that Edge has done yes. to him. Uh, talks about the camera, talks about the spear, putting him through tables, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Such good, nuanced storytelling here. As we get to the next part of it, as Undertaker does hit a concerto to Edge. So again, another revisiting of the things, the the sins that Edge has committed against Mm -hmm. him here. And then Undertaker finishes it off, man. One final tombstone to get the three count to end the match here at 26 minutes and 43 seconds as Undertaker finally picks up an official win over Edge here um, for yeah. the first time since WrestleMania. Uh, yeah. Yes. I don't think any of those other matches were official or were taken away or, you know, all, all that other foolishness that we've seen uh, throughout yes. the months here. So huge, huge victory. It didn't feel like tw- like a half an hour, though. It went by. Like just, I was just mm-hmm. so poof, mm-hmm. engulfed in it, man. I was just enveloped in the storytelling and the drama. It was awesome. And then La Familia is applauding backstage as Taker does the Shakespeare pose in the ring. And Edge is laying on his back, just really selling the devastation he's been through. The human devastation. HD, if you will. As JR so wonderfully coined. And then Taker goes to leave. He's walking up the ramp and... Again, we mentioned that it's, it's like a TV marquee, or a, excuse me, a movie theater marquee, and above it is like the Titantron, and Taker can see Edge in the ring on Titantron. He sees him kind of start to stir, and Taker does that classic patented head whip. He, hurt, he whips his head around and makes a beeline for the ring, and he's going to take another page out of Edge's book here. He sure does. He sets up a ladder in the ring, and uh, we get some... Ref intimidation after the match. Yeah. As, uh, is it is it Steve or Scott Armstrong? I can't ever remember uh, which Scott. one's the referee. It's Scott? Okay. Uh, 
Taker scurries him away. He lifts up Edge and sort of stands him up on one side of the ladder. So Edge is basically dead, but Undertaker props him up on one side of the ladder. Uh, And Taker heads to the outside and grabs a second ladder. And then Undertaker pushes uh, Scott Armstrong, who dies after a light shove from the Undertaker. (laughs) He is unconscious from a light tap from the Undertaker. And then Undertaker's going to send Edge to hell right here. Yeah, he goes up the second ladder and goozles Edge, but grabs him by the throat, looks at him and says, now you're going to hell. And then the screen kind of scrambles and it splices in these, you know, stuff, this iconic stuff from Taker, like the little girls and the raven and the, the tombstones and stuff like that. And we get these little splices of that. And it's just a weird, it's a neat it's a neat little uh, nuance here. Um, and then Taker's going to choke slam Edge off the ladder and through the ring. Like he's going to go through the, the the corner of the ring and Taker backs him away into the corner and raises his hands. And as he raises his hands, these giant flames are going to shoot up out of that hole in the ring that Edge just went into. Just flames just blowing out of, this, out of the ring, man. Just a really, really cool visual, really symbolic. Not subtle at all. I mean, that was the, <laughs> but like, I love it. I love it, man. It's so good. There were so many subtleties in the match. This was the, we're going to beat you over the head with, he's gone to hell now, you know? So, but it was awesome. 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 You know, it's a word I think that gets overused, but I really and truly think that was epic and just yeah. the perfect way to close out this feud that has lasted since May of 2017 mm-hmm. when Edge cashed in that money in the bank. Uh, and stole the title away from Undertaker, and just, and this wasn't even about the title either. Exactly, you know, yes. this is personal. It's a way to for Edge to suffer and pay for all of his sins that he's committed over the past year and a half. An incredible visual, perfect storytelling from top to bottom. My only personal complaint with it is a very small one, but that stuff at the end after the match where the video feed cuts out and they actually edge or undertaker choke slamming edge is like in a like a purple filter over the mm-hmm. camera and all this sort of stuff i just felt like jr and taz should have laid out during yep. that and i wish that it was just just undertaker screaming at edge and choke slamming him and then the show goes off the air but jr and taz talked through all of that which was weird with the video distorting and all that sort of stuff it kind of didn't match with each other but that's like the smallest of nitpicks. Sure. And everything else was perfect. The whole thing, in my opinion, top to bottom, the storytelling, the match itself, five stars, loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If you I mean, if you've never seen this, please, for the love of God, go watch this match. It is so good. Again, it is just a perfect tale in the cell. It's got so many callbacks, so many good things if you follow the story you'll pick up on everything there and these two are two of the best storytellers that there are you know in the ring so they don't let anything go uh everything has a purpose so yes. i really like that you know everything has a purpose nothing's wasted is what i'm trying to say so good stuff thank you guys for hanging in there it's been a long feud but we've enjoyed it and the, yeah, what, a, what a great way to cap it off you know here it's been great the whole rivalry you know they don't really make dvds anymore but it could make for a great dvd or 
at least a network I've, collection or something. You know, Jericho's always said that they should do a DVD of him and Sean, and I think they should do they could do a double. They could do him mm-hmm. and Sean, and they could do this on like they're sure. running at the same time, and they're awesome. And again, Sean and, and him's going to run on a little bit longer because it starts later, but um, it goes on till what November, I think, No Mercy or October. Yeah. Anyway, so. Great stuff, both shows. That yeah, they could definitely do like a Chronicle or Dirty Twenty Four, whatever. They, they could do someone network about this particular year. And untold, yeah. Untold would be great. Yeah, be perfect for that. Great stuff. So anyway, yeah, Whew, good stuff. I don't know. It it might be my favorite Hell in a Cell since the original with Shawn Michaels. You know, I, I you know I, everyone loves the same thing. you know the the uh, the Mick Foley one is is iconic for its own reasons, but to me, I've talked about this before. It's not a great match. Like, nope. you know, the stunts and the uh, the falls, I mean, it, the spectacle of it is incredible. But if you're talking top to bottom match, to me, it's this like, one this is right under the uh, Undertaker Shawn Michaels one. Like my, my take on Fast and Furious movies, they're great spectacles. <laughs> they make billions of dollars, but they're not good movies. Sure. That's kind of what Hell in the Cell with McFoley was. Like, it's a great spectacle. It's going to live and stand the test of time as far as you know, people's minds and makes makes lots of money for the company, but like, it's a spectacle. But yeah, the the, the original Hell in a Cell, the one with Brock, and the then one with this Brock one, is up there. For these sure. are, yeah. pff, I'm I'm man, yeah. The second place Hell in a Cell, it's either this or Brock. I don't know yet. I gotta I gotta think about that when we yeah. make our our top tens later <laughs> on. So, but. well, we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear your thoughts. So hit us up on. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Talking Taker. Uh, we always love to hear from you guys and hear your comments. We got a little bit of feedback here before the show here tonight uh, at Princeton John 2. Uh, we've heard from uh, him quite a bit on the show. He says, in my opinion, the best ending to a rivalry in the history of pro wrestling. It had everything. Wow. Although technically did take uh, technically Taker did kill a guy on worldwide television. But, you know, sure. WWE lets that sort of stuff slide. So still a great match. So, Absolutely. man, I, I love that. Uh, maybe the greatest ending to a rivalry in professional wrestling history. It was pretty pretty dang perfect. It's pretty perfect, yeah. But, you know, wrestling fans have different opinions. And at Catravis uh, Squire, I uh, haven't heard from him before, but he said, never was a huge fan of this match. I don't hate it, but don't love it. Just felt like a spot fest. Not much story told. Far from terrible, it just wasn't my favorite. So, hey, that's what makes this podcast great. Sometimes you love it, sometimes you don't. And that's what makes pro wrestling great, too. So we appreciate your feedback. We'd love to hear from more of you. Of course, you can leave a comment on any of our social media pages, any of the podcast pages out there. Uh, You can subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating, all that good stuff. What else you got to do? You're just stuck at home. Go do all that stuff for you. Catch up on the previous episodes. As we keep this podcast rolling, rolling, rolling on to The Undertaker's Last Ride and another rivalry that's going to stretch out to the end of 2008, but is not quite so epic. But <laughs> we got three matches with The Big Show coming up over the next three oh, the weeks. Star of Netflix. The star of Netflix. The Just... main eventer of WrestleMania 36. Yeah. Uh, the Big Show is going to face The Undertaker in a series of matches. So we'll come back with, uh, I believe we start with No Mercy 2008. Uh, We'll hit Cyber Sunday and Survivor Series as well as we close out this year. So, uh, some gimmick matches, some fun matches, and the feud with Vicky Guerrero continues on. So, we'll get to that. 
just a couple quick news and notes uh, that we'll hit up before we go off the air tonight, uh, since we haven't actually recorded in a while. Uh, but a couple of podcast and network things that uh, we want to point you guys to, you fellow Undertaker fans and Creatures of the Night. Uh, obviously, the biggest news is that The Undertaker is going to have that new series on the WWE Network chronicling the last three years, 2017 through 2020, and we got a little preview of it after WrestleMania. Uh, we didn't actually talk about having watched that little, I guess it's like 10, 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, any initial thoughts on that, Travis? Well, we were having a Zoom party, you and me and a couple of our buddies, so I didn't really get to pay full attention to it because that was the second out of Mania, right? Yeah. Um, but what I saw, I loved. I loved finally getting him sitting down as Mark Calloway talking about his character. And, you know, it's just, it's going to be fun, a little extra tidbits for us to add on to this show, too. It's just really going to be, it's going to be a point of viewing. And all the reaction I saw on social media was just two thumbs up. And everybody's been waiting for something like this for years because his character is so protected, you know. We've been let in a little bit with the American BA, big evil guy, but this is really him letting us in, you know, on, I, officially. He's done the stuff at the churches and stuff like that, and interviews, but like, this is really a WWE produced peeling back the curtain on The Undertaker, so. Yeah, he's really opening up in ways that he never has before, so it's really fun to see. And a lot of great behind the scenes footage uh, that first few minutes that we saw covers WrestleMania 33 with him and Roman Reigns. Uh, this is a real funny moment where they're at the ho- checking in the hotel. The Undertaker's checking in <laughs> yeah. next to Roman Reigns. He's like, you can't kayfabe me for like two minutes, brother? Yeah. <laughs> like checking in the hotel. That's <laughs> good stuff, man. Can't wait to see the whole series. It's going to be appointment television there. And another great network series, we put it over every time it comes out, is yep. this Stone Cold Broken Skull Sessions. And, you know, he's had, who, he's had, uh, he's had Undertaker, he's had Kane, Big Show, Bret Hart, and now Ric Flair on the latest episode, and obviously the first two are going to talk about Undertaker a lot, but Big Show, Bret Hart, and now Ric Flair, they've put over Undertaker in really incredible ways, they're great interviews, Ric Flair basically said Undertaker is on his Mount Rushmore, Mm. along with Hulk Hogan and Steve Austin, which, coming from Ric Flair... Yeah. Can you say anything more uh, of a compliment like that? Um, right. It, his a, his opinion holds some weight. It really does. And, uh, you know, it's Rick Flair and Stone Cold Steve Austin talking for almost two hours. You know? Yeah. Like, we, we, we you and I said, we've heard a lot of these stories before, but heck, it's it's entertaining as heck. Yeah, absolutely. That, speak, let me just go in there. It has nothing to do with Undertaker, but Edge said on that interview last week on After the Bell, I recommend that since we're talking about Edge here. He said that he got a phone call from Bret Hart after him and Randy Orton and said, I love that because it looked like a fight. And he said, and people can talk online all they want about it was too long or whatever he said, but when Bret Hart calls you and tells you that he loved it, that's all I need. And Which is kind of <laughs> like Ric Flair saying sure. Undertaker exists on another plane. Like sure. he just like, he said he's the best character like we've said, he's the best character. Him and Austin both said the same thing. The, the best character ever, ever in professional wrestling. Not just in WWE in, of all time. He's the best character and you know one of the best. So, again, when those guys who actually have an opinion that means something say stuff, it's a little bit better than Keyboard Warriors saying who's the top five or whatever. No, so, absolutely. Or what's boring or what's not. So, anyway. And that Edge 24 special on the network is fantastic. Yes. 
absolutely oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and then Bruce Pritchard, something to wrestle. They just did an episode on Paul Bearer uh, last week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you and I both said a lot of the same stories we've all heard before. We wish it kind of been a little more in-depth. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's fun to hear about Paul Bearer. Um, if you don't listen to his show all the time, I would go check it out because there are some fun stories. But if you do listen to Pritchard's show every week, it's not like a must-hear episode. It's, right. it's all the same stuff you've heard before. You know, I enjoyed hearing Pritchard talk about how uh, Paul Bearer, uh, William Moody, uh, in his real life, was his go-to tech guy and uh, yeah, showed him how funny. to do stuff on the computer all the time. That was a fun little story. And, Hearing yeah. him talk about Paul Bear being an old school country music fan, that sort of stuff was fun. But is it George Jones? Yeah, George Jones. Yeah, yeah, I love George Jones. Nothing really in depth or interesting that we haven't covered on this show. No, I was hoping for some tidbits we could go, you know, just talk about and talk about him and Taker. But it was, you know, like I said, nothing really new and a little underwhelming for me. But again, I've heard a lot of those. But if you haven't heard it, yeah, by all means, go listen to it because it's got some some Taker stuff on there. But. Yeah, absolutely. And then. Didn't, uh, did Chris Jericho do an episode kind of focused on Undertaker and Shawn Michaels? I didn't listen to oh, it, but uh, yeah, you yeah. guys were talking about it the other week. Yeah, when, yeah, I guess it was the week before, the week of Mania, maybe, a week before Mania 36. Uh, it was him and Marty Elias, the referee from the WrestleMania 25 match, which we'll probably, uh, we'll get to that, what, in a few weeks here, I guess. Yeah, so, not too far. Five, five eight weeks from now whatever um so uh, we'll be there but it was them just watching that match together and talking about it and marty elias really really peels back the onion or the curtain there and tells you you know what what uh, what's going on and stuff like that so a lot of cool tidbits there so go listen to that and we'll probably talk about it when we get to that match here on, on talking takers all right cool yeah other than that ladies and gentlemen if you were there at conseco Fieldhouse, if you were uh, no way, Jose Canseco! What a great that'd be great right there. No way, Jose Canseco. But anyway, if you were there at August seventeenth, uh, there you're one of the Hoosiers just chanting for the Undertaker, just on the edge of your seat, just hell in the cell. Let us know what you thought, especially when Edge got chokeslammed straight to hell at the end, and the flames came up and everything. But some people could call it hokey, but I'd say it was awesome. It was a great spectacle. But let us know what you think, and uh, let us know what you thought about this match, because it's a great one. It's a great one to end the rivalry on, end the feud on. So other than that, ladies and gentlemen, stay safe out there. And most importantly, take her easy. Every time you call me, you're ringing. Every time? Our theme How would you like to WWE.com. Awesome. Awesome. What is Alicia Fox doing here? Alicia's here? Yeah, I just saw her. I don't know. I mean, where, where's don't Edge? Know. Where's Edge at? I'm talking in like a week. You, you haven't seen it all? No, you. No. Who's Edge's special guest? Um, I don't know. You don't. Couldn't really, tell you don't know. No. He just doesn't tell us this stuff anymore. Okay. No. All right. If you, if you find out, let me know right away. Yeah. I need to know. I'm not. I'm not I yeah. really need yeah, to know. Got okay. it, man. No all right. Right away. Yeah, ASAP. Okay. All right. So again, Check it out. Every time you. Oh, you know that's awesome. I talk to people. Action figures. No way. On the way soon. Finally. This is great. Stars, man. Stars.